So this works better when I'm there, but I, I'm not there. So I can't see the people who are in the sanctuary, but I can hear you based on our experiment with the story. So I'm going to ask a few questions. And if, if you would answer yes to that question, do me a favor and, and make some noise. You can clap or you can stomp your feet or snap your fingers, whatever you need to do to let me know if you're one of the people that this fits. So how many of you enjoyed our storytelling? Oh. How, how many of you liked where we ended up? How many of you wish it would have gone differently? Some of you might have found it a bit nerve-wracking, and, and some of you might even have thought it a bit foolish. And, and that's okay. Improv is not for everyone. And telling a story that way is risky and unconventional, which is the very definition of the fool's way. The fool is another of my spiritual inspirations, but that is a whole different service, which I would be happy to write and share for you some other time in the future. Let's get back to the topic of today, which is games and make-believe. How many of you watched Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and remember the trolley taking us to the land of make-believe? That got the best response ever. For the younger folks, if there are any left in the sanctuary, you might also think of Miss Frizzle and the Magic School Bus. How many of you have played Dungeons and Dragons or some other role-playing game? None. None. Okay. okay. Or, or at least, at least very, very few. few. How many How of you played games of make-believe when you were kids? Kids. Okay. All right. How many of you play them as adults? Oh, oh, that, that is, is a stunning, stunning response. response. Now, if you didn't say that you play games of make-believe, you might ask yourself, why not? Why did you stop? Our imagination is a wonderful gift. As adults, we do not often talk about imagination, or if we do, we talk about it with a different word. We, we use the word creativity. You ever notice the different connotation between those two words? Steve's, Steve's got, got a, a very, very active imagination. He is quite a creative person. Imagination is sometimes seen as a bit frivolous. And creative is, well, a productive thing. We use it for writers and musicians and painters. We tie creativity to results or problem solving. And what do we link imagination to? Dreaming, wishing, fantasies, distractions. We are doing ourselves a disservice this way. Imagination is way more powerful and way more important than we give it credit for. Imagination is the first step to transformation. Now, before we get too far down this path, I want to head off a potential misunderstanding, a possible misconception. I am going to talk about the power of imagining today, 
and the power of positive thinking. But I am not preaching the prosperity gospel. And I am most certainly not expounding on the secret. I hope not to offend anyone when I say both of those related theologies are just bad. I know you don't expect a Unitarian Universalist minister to say something like that. We are supposed to be open-minded and described as welcoming to all beliefs, but that is only half right. We are open-minded, but not so much that we let our brains fall out. And a close study of the prosperity gospel and the secret will quickly lead you to some very ugly places, places that are not consistent with UU principles or our message of love and respect for all. So I am not talking about those beliefs today. I'm talking about playing make-believe, the amazing power of our imagination. More and more, scientists are discovering that what we think about makes a huge difference in our moods, our mental health, our physical health, and our short-term and long-term success, however you may define that loaded word. Olympic-level athletes use visualization to see themselves performing every part of their sport, including crossing the finish line, breaking the record, clearing the bar, whatever they hope to accomplish. Visualization is another word for imagination. It's solo role-playing. Therapists and teachers have been using role-playing for decades, usually asking people to imagine themselves in a certain social situation facing a difficult, stressful encounter and acting out how they would navigate it. Now, sometimes this is a solo exercise and sometimes it's with a partner. How many of you have been asked in a training or a workshop to do a little role play? How many of you enjoyed that? That that was more than I expected. Oddly enough, considering I'm a professional game master, an empath, and an extrovert that absolutely loves role-playing games, I loathe role-playing exercises at workshops. I usually head for the doors when they start. The difference is, Very few of us want to role-play ourselves in difficult or challenging situations. We have a word for that game already. It's called life. Role-playing is way more fun when we can pretend to be someone else doing something amazing somewhere or someone else. Turns out, it is also rather therapeutic, too. In the last couple of decades, many social scientists, psychologists, and therapists have started using role-playing games with clients, young and old, to help build communication skills, creative problem-solving, ego-strengthening, sharpening focus, delaying gratification, adaptive behaviors, anger management, and many other therapeutic outcomes. Role-playing games have become a popular means of helping those on the autism spectrum. Role-playing games have proven amazingly effective with our incarcerated populations in teaching social skills and survival skills that make recidivism less likely. In schools, prisons, churches, boardrooms, the power of make-believe is being harnessed with games 
to help people make significant changes. And we do it every day, usually in ways we aren't even trying to. Some of you might be worriers or worst case scenario thinkers. Do you know a few of those in the congregation? My wife, Cheryl, is a trained certified consulting hypnotist. Her ministry is one of teaching people how to use their thoughts, their imagination, to help them make improvements and changes in their everyday lives. I'm exceptionally proud of her. She says, worry is a terrible waste of your imagination. She's taught me a great deal about the power of our beliefs, our thoughts, our make-believe. That's what worry is, you know. It's a solo game of make-believe in a horror genre. It's us mentally casting ourselves in a disaster flick. Personally, I'd rather be a superhero or an adventurer in a heroic story, wouldn't you? Our thoughts. That got a big response. Excellent. Our thoughts lead to feelings, and they in turn lead to actions and reactions. Now, some people think feelings lead to thoughts, and they're only partly right. Let's say your heart rate is up, your palms are sweaty, your stomach is a little fluttery. How are you feeling? Are are you sure? Are you nervous? Or are you excited? The body's response is exactly the same for both. Your body reacts. And then your brain looks for contexts for, for why. And then decides, oh, I'm nervous. Or Oh, I'm excited, but you get to choose. Let me give you a a hypnosis trick Cheryl taught me. She calls them Jedi mind tricks. I call them mental cantrips. This one is useful if you are headed into surgery. Before you go in, before they give you the anesthetic, imagine what favorite food you will eat when you wake up. Imagine it in as much detail as possible. Imagine it so much, your mouth waters and your tummy grumbles, whether it's uh, your favorite ice cream sundae or your favorite hamburger, whatever it is going to be. Imagine that meal for when you're going to get out of surgery. When you do come out of surgery, the nurse is going to ask you how you feel. And if you will honestly tell her you are famished they will respond with surprise and relief because they expected you to be nauseous from the anesthetic. But it's hard to be hungry and nauseous at the same time. And you imagined yourself being hungry. So that's how you wake up. You go ahead and try it. You'll see. It's an amazing trick. Self-talk is powerful. And the more positive our self-talk the less depressed we feel, and the more hopeful we are, and the more active we become, and the more successes we experience. Another example of one of my wife's cantrips, this one from before she was a hypnotist even, but was a trained psychotherapist. We had just moved to Chicago, Illinois from Madison, Wisconsin, so I could attend seminary. And it was a huge culture shock for us. They were different places. Uh, We were lamenting how unfriendly everyone was in Chicago. 
It was really bumming us out. And then one day Cheryl said, we need to stop this. Let's make note of the friendly people we find. Being a pessimist, I said, that won't take long. But we started noting friendly people we encountered. And you know what? We found a bunch of them. They were everywhere. Our whole attitude changed. And Chicago wasn't that bad anymore. And seminary wasn't that scary. Now, did our imagination change reality? Maybe, but not the way you might think. Our perception of reality certainly changed, but more importantly, our own attitudes and behaviors changed, and that caused other people around us to change. That's the magic of make-believe. By playing pretend, we can change how we think, how we feel, and how we act. We can change how we perceive things and how others then perceive us. And that, my friends, leads to transformation, personal growth, and community growth. You want to build the beloved community? Then start by imagining it right now with you in it. How do you act in that world? How do others act in that world? Play that game every day and see what happens. I love to play spiritual games. I share spiritual games for folks to play on my YouTube channel. Games that Help us change our way of being and our ways of interacting with the world. Playing games has always been a sacred act. Religious rituals often contain aspects of games of make-believe. So instead of growing up and working hard, maybe it's time we remembered to play and did make-believe more. You want a world that's more just? Imagine it being so. Imagine yourself being so. You want a world that is peaceful? Make believe it is. Play a peaceful part in it. You want a world where gun violence is not a daily threat? Then imagine that world and imagine you acting in it. What does it look like? What does it feel like? Practice gratitude. Practice peace. Play with love. Play as if every move matters and every person counts because they do. Process theology is simply the belief that creation is ongoing and we are co-creators of the world. That's the very definition of a role-playing game. Life is a role-playing game. Reality is a game of collaborative storytelling. And we are all invited to play. Shakespeare wrote in his play, As You Like It, all the world's a stage and all of us merely players. Einstein said, God does not play dice with the universe. Maybe they were both half right. All the world's a game and all of us merely players. And maybe the divine doesn't play dice with the universe because the dice are actually in our hands. The game is ongoing, my friends, and it's your turn. Roll the dice. What do you want to be? What do you want to do? What world do you imagine? Let's play make-believe and make it so.